This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible. The information provided or any opinions expressed in this show are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from an authorised financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge by calling 0800 878 You're listening to Radio Kidnappers, the voice of Hawke's Bay. This is the programme called Can of You, where we talk finances with the team from the Stewart Group right here in Hastings. And it's our pleasure to have on the phone the CEO of the Stewart Group, Nick Stewart. How are you going, Nick? Very good, thank you. Very well refreshed after a wonderful Queen's birthday weekend and... Well, I think we can safely say that the drought has broken. The drought has broken, and more good news. Uh, according to the Prime Minister, we might even be out of Level 2 next week. Wow. Well, that would be very exciting. Uh, there'll be a lot of... lot of The business community will be very eager to uh, to get back, get back on their tools, so to speak. Uh, before we get on to today's topic, Nick, which is FOMO, um, what effect do you think that's going to have on the markets? Will it have an immediate effect? In terms of going to level one? Yes. Um, no, well, I think the market pretty much factors these things in. I mean, we knew that at some point we're going to go to level one. It was just a question of which week. Um, so, you know, markets look through these events. Um, so, look, there might be a little bit of a euphoric bounce on the first day um, or, you know, on the announcement. A little bit like uh, last week, the US market had a particularly spectacular day where the Top the uh, S and P five hundred or the top five hundred listed companies in the US jumped by two point two five percent in a day, and uh, the key attribute of that, or the reason why, was that the um, stock market, the actual trading floor, opened for the first time in since lockdown. So uh, yeah, so you you often do get a little bit of that euphoria, but the market for the most part has factored it in. Now, we're going to talk today about FOMO, which uh, in text language is uh, the fear of missing out. Mm. Tell us about that. Well, the fear of missing out, look, you know, that kind of water cooler or barbecue type discussion where everyone wants to be, you know, part of the herd. No one wants to miss out. You know, so if the the market's going really well, then uh, then you want to be in. And And if there are losses, then you don't want to be there. You want to be with the herd that aren't. A little bit like, um, you know, if you'd followed, if you're a, a Auckland Blues fan yes. over the last decade, <laughs> uh, you would have gone against the trend because, uh, you know, the uh, stadium was becoming a little more empty after each game, just as, you know, the losses continued to mount. Very, very similar. So, look, you know, the fear of missing out, so when the market takes off, you know, everyone, everyone wants to be there because there's the fear that they're going to miss out on getting their share. Is that why markets fluctuate? Because we get a bit nervy and we think, oh, let's get in, let's get out, and uh, let's follow the crowd. Um, because, you know, your philosophy is you're there for the long haul, but um, most people aren't, though, are they? Yeah, well, look, some people uh, do allow emotion to come to the fore, and the, the study of that is called behavioural finance. And, you know, that's where, you know, share market returns um, aren't necessarily... Well, they're not defined to each individual investor 
on the basis that they're invested in equities. A lot of people, in fact, when you actually look at the attribution of return, it actually turns out that whilst the market may have delivered a long-run return of, say, 9%, a lot of the investors, in fact, had an average return of 6%. Mm. Because when you actually go through the attribution, a lot of the time they weren't in the market when the market bounced. So, for example, if you'd gone to cash yep. in, um, in mid to late March, you would have missed a phenomenal rally in equities, uh, which commenced on the 24th of March. So, yeah, again, you know, you would have you would have had a lot of the risk of the equities, but when it came to the bounce, you just weren't there. You weren't in your seat to enjoy the rewards of that asset class. I was just reading your notes that you sent, and uh, you've got a great yeah. phrase here, which is buy in the gloom, sell in the boom. Sounds easy, but it's why, why, why isn't it easy, Nick? Because it sounds pretty simple. Well, yeah, yeah, well, look, it, uh, it does sound easy and logical, but look, unfortunately, most people end up doing the opposite. They buy on the high, sell on the low, and again, it comes back to that behavioral finance element or that fear of missing out. You know, a lot of people. They understand these things. They actually understand the science. But at the ultimate time where they need to have faith and believe, they instead rely on gut. And the gut emotion says, you know, fight or flight. And when things are looking bad, you know, some people do capitulate. Mm. And some capitulate earlier than others, and they don't see the bounce that comes. And, um, you know, like, like, so if we look at what happened in March, you've got, and I'm looking at a report there where, you know, Morningstar, this is a big research house, yeah. estimated that KiwiSaver members moved $1.4 billion of wealth from growth funds to balance funds or to conservatives. So, in other words, they sold equities and they bought bonds. And so they would have done that at just the wrong time because they their, um, the shares would have declined. Mm-hmm. They then crystallised the losses and bought bonds. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, I now I haven't seen the, the data of late, but one would expect that you'll start to see people going now from balanced and conservative funds and back into growth funds because, unfortunately, that's how humans are wired. Now, there's no doubt about it, uh, Nick, that we are in gloom times. So why aren't people rushing to buy, or are they? And I just haven't heard about it. Mm, (laughs) Hey, well, look, every day on the market for a price to be set or um, for us to understand a price and get a price, there has to be a a trade. And for a trade to occur, you need a seller Mm -hmm. and a buyer. So... So at the moment, and, and even during you know the dark days of the um, you know the twenty um, first you know twenty third of, of March, right at the bottom, there were still people completing transactions. So there's always someone buying, but perhaps they're just not um, tweeting about it or posting it on social media, yeah. which or the media aren't focused on the fact because let's face it, um, you know, uh, negative news sells. So, um, you know, when you've got all those uh, depressing photographs of people with their uh, head in their head in their hand um, with a, a backdrop of a whole lot of red numbers um, on a computer screen, you know, that sells. Um, you know, the upside yep. typically doesn't. So, yeah. What sort of investor does well in these times, Nick? I mean, is it, um, is it for want of a better word, is it professional investors, guys, who can... Um 
you know, they've got, you know, what, what I mean of steel, or is it mum and dad investing, oh, let's get in on this? Um, no, um, typically the people that do well are those that um, adhere to a, um, a rebalance strategy. So in other words, when, uh, when the portfolio needs to rebalance, they act. So therefore, when the um, shares or equities have declined, they are topping up. So that type of strategy works really well. There's you know, a lot of scientific evidence around that. The other is those that just uh, at an opportune time have cash and are able to invest uh, at, at, at the right time. And, you know, it's, there are a lot of people at the moment who are, you know, are sitting on cash. We know there's, um, yeah. you know, articles in the newspaper that, that uh, a lot, you know, a significant amount of the money drawn down or provided by government for support is actually sitting in bank accounts. It's actually not being used. And that's just because people's safety blanket Mm. or that, that cushioning effect that they desire, they want to hold more cash than they have done in the past. Um, for business owners, that may mean that they want to have more working capital and more cash reserves than they've had in the past. So it doesn't, now that doesn't mean they're going to invest it. It means they want it there. It's their rainy day fund, yeah. that security blanket. Well, there, you did mention a bit earlier that the, the rate of return has dropped to 6%, but that's better than the bank, isn't it? Ah, yes, yeah, 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 you're correct. It's better than the bank. Now, the rate of return that I was quoting you was actually from a very famous study that's been going for two and a half years now. So, firstly, it commenced, it first commenced in 1994, and it's called DALBAR, and I've mentioned it on the radio mm-hmm. show before, so that's D-A-L-B-A-R. And so we recently purchased their uh, 20, um, uh, 2019 report, which tracks the largest group of investors in the United States, so it's tracking a whole lot of 401k plans, which are like KiwiSaver. So the US has had like a, they call it a kind of KiwiSaver for a long period of time, and it's a nice, stable pool of capital where uh, the, the team at Dalbar are able to study the market returns and what the underlying investors receive. Mm. In other words, you know, what compensation did they get for being exposed to equities? What did they get uh, for their exposure to, to bonds or fixed income? So if we look over a 20-year period, the average investor in the U.S., who's the average equity fund investor, received over that period. Now, this period also includes the GFC, so it's, um, so it's going to be, you know, it's a difficult period. So the difference was that they received 1.8% less than the market. And you'd say, why is that? Is that fees? Is that tax? No, these have been adjusted for those. This is purely the fact that when the market went negative, the people pulled the cash out. And then when the market bounced, they weren't in their seat. So that was 180 basis points. If we look over the 10-year, the (laughs) this is pretty scary. It's 3%, the difference between what the investor received and what the market delivered. And this is on equity. So in other words... You know, over the last 10 years, over that, up until, um, so 2009 through to 2019, the S&P delivered an annualised return of 13%, and yet the average investor in a 401k plan like KiwiSaver in mm. the US, 9.5%. That's a whopping difference. It's a lot of money. Yeah, it is. And, and, and look, the fact is that if you're not in your seat, and you, so you take an exposure to equities, but... Just you, you're not there for a few key days, key months over the entire investment time frame. 
it's amazing how much return is delivered in a short space of time. Is it true that the sun will always shine in, in investing? Sorry, could you repeat that? Is it true that the sun will always shine <laughs> sooner or later? Um, sooner or later, if you have a long enough time horizon, yes. And, and look, let's flip it on its head and say, um, you know, if you think about, you know, like we just referred to before, we had a, a huge amount of rain in Hawke's Bay over the weekend, and we had we had as much rain in the weekend, well, I certainly know from my rain gauge, we had as much rain as we had in the weekend. Over a 24-hour period on Saturday, we had as much rain as we had received in the prior five months. Mm. Now, investing can be very much like the weather, and that is that, yeah, on an annualised basis, the return might be over a 100-year period, might be 10% per year per annum. The problem is it doesn't happen every year, and it's just like the rain and the weather, and there are periods of time where it will not rain, yep. and uh, and then it all arrives on one period. Yeah, just as I gave the analogy there, you know, we received that huge amount of rain in 24 hours over the weekend. Absolutely phenomenal. But if you weren't there, weren't in your seat, you missed it. Yeah. And some people like farmers loved it. And some people who wanted to go into town and have a look around, they hated it. So that's a good analogy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Well, yeah. Yeah, the investing the investing component with the weather, that's just the one difference in that, that uh, you know, investors do desire positive returns because that's what they're there for. Whereas, you know, good citizens of Hawke's Bay, there are those that require rain to, for us to... Uh, you know, grow great protein off grass, and there are others that would prefer for it to be sunny and still with a lovely little offshore breeze, so that they can catch a nice wave out at Waimatama or Ocean Beach. That's right. Now, I had a bit of a, <laughs> I had a quick scan of that report that you sent through, and it's sort of a bit yeah. mind-boggling for a for a hillbilly like me. But I was amazed to read about how much psychology goes into you know, when you look at an investor, how much psychology mm. you can use on an investor. I mean, when, when someone comes in to see you, Nick, and says, look, I'm interested in getting into the market. I mean, how much how much do you go into with them? Like, you know, for instance, I see there's loss aversion, there's narrow framing, there's mental mm. accounting, diversification, anchoring, and a whole lot more. How much do you, do you tell people or can you tell from looking at a person with your experience that, hmm, <laughs> look what we've got here? I'm glad you read the report. It's uh, yeah, quite enlightening. Now, so so when when we're talking to investors, we're using a number of tools. Some of those are such as a uh, a risk profile questionnaire, which talks about things and qualifies things like loss aversion. So, in other words, what would make you feel really uncomfortable? Would it be a, you know over a twelve month uh, period a seeing a decline in your capital of twenty five percent? Is it ten percent? Is it five percent? And, and also understanding the depth of the client's balance sheet. So in other words, the capital you're going to be looking after, are they going to be adding to it, drawing from it, or is there other capital outside the portfolio? You know, lots of key questions. But despite that, human beings do change. So for example, you know, we find that clients that have never invested before mm-hmm. and that this is their first time, that over a period of time, over many decades, that their knowledge and understanding and tolerance increases. Whereas we find on the other side, um, those who have a shortening time horizon or have material a, a, a material change in circumstance that may be the loss of a partner, uh, it may be their financial circumstances change around the tenure of their employment. Now, 
that will see them become more risk averse. Do you find in your experience that it's a small-time investor who is more prone to loss aversion than someone who's in it for the long haul? Certainly those who are short-term versus long-term. But in terms of, I think, behavioural finance and that, you know, the the FOMO, that affects both both the Main Street investor, in other words, you know, the mum and dad investor or the... um, um, person in their first job who's saving through their KiwiSaver through to those that have many millions to invest. Unfortunately, look, it's you know it's not it's not ageist. It's not uh, it's not done on a you know on on a division of wealth equality. Look, um, you know, behavioural finance affects us all. We, we you know everyone has a point in time where they will capitulate um, and will go with their gut. And also, it depends on you know who they're surrounded by at the time because. Let's face it. If you and I were um, in COVID lockdown and we were the, we were locked down with a with a, a buddy or family member who was particularly risk averse, and that was the only person that you were talking to, well, then they could have a um, an influence on your mentality during that period. Yeah. Conversely, someone who was quite euphoric and and uplifting in their thoughts would be could skew you the other way. And that's why at the start of the discussion I dropped in the comment about the barbecue or water cooler discussion. Yeah. And that's where, you know, sadly a lot of people do take advice um, from non qualified individuals and a lot of it will be that kind of water cooler or barbecue discussion. Now, yeah. you, you mentioned at the beginning of the program that uh, $1.4 billion was moved mm. around in, in KiwiSaver. And I see in that report that uh, media response might have a lot to do with that. because You can actually, <laughs> you can actually l- look at or listen to the media too much, can't you? Yeah, you can. And, uh, and the other thing, you'll find that some of the pieces have a particular angle. Yep. In other words, you know, you, you know I can... Uh, I can look from the um, preamble, you can pretty much see where the article's going to go to. I mean, sometimes some of them are actually uh, pretty much advertorials pushing a particular angle. Um, yeah, so, so, yeah, and so, but going back to your comment about the 1.4 billion, so, yeah, the, so negative news sells, and when people read that and they act on it, um, you know, when the capital's flying, and and there are negative losses, and people buy into that and sh- and focus short term, and that the sky is falling. Then yeah, people do move, and you know that 1.4 billion. So let's say if the 1.4 billion moved out of equities into bonds, and now knowing that the market bounced, um, depending on which market you're in, bounced between 20 and 25 percent from the bottom, it basically means that about a quarter of a billion dollars was vaporised. Yeah. So if, you know, if, if, yes. you know that $1.4 billion, you know, would have bounced back. But instead, if it switched from equities to bonds, it didn't get the 20 to 25% upside on the $1.4 billion. Yeah. When can you it see... It happen. Yeah, no, and I, you, you mentioned uh, a couple of weeks back that uh, you know, prices are driven by markets, but n- not necessarily immediately, but it could be in a couple of months' time that the market yeah. re- uh, replies to a, an issue. How close are we to that market uh, responding to property prices going down? Oh, I think it's early days. Um, early days in the sense that we are... Uh, the first lot of the uh, applicants for the wage subsidy will roll off in about eight days' time. Of course, we're recording this on, you know, yep. Tuesday the second. So 
So, you know, it was it's June 10 when they start rolling off. Um, so, you know, I, you know, I've always said to you that, you know, the property market's linked to debt and it's linked to confidence mm-hmm. and it's linked to people's employment and tenure of employment and wage package. And I think we're not going to see negative effects of that and like serious negative mm. effects until the wage subsidy rolls off. Yeah. And at that time, then you, you know, you'll see people who will be, who move from being a willing seller to a forced seller. Yeah. And then you'll start to see some pressure. Probably, or most likely, you'll see the first indications of that will be in those, in the, in the tourist affected markets. So like your Wanaka, Queenstown. Yes. Yeah, but so far we haven't seen. There's not a lot of not a lot of commentary around that, and also, you know, there's a there's a large backlog with people wanting to get you know building report value is in, um, you know, um, have a face to face meeting with their lawyer, etc. So one would expect that there'll be a lot of transactions, or it'll be like you know the, um, you know the, you know the python, you know the animal going through the snake. There'll be a huge amount of transactions that will go through. But I really don't think we'll start to see any particular negative effects for a number of months because, look, as we've always said, property is a lag indicator, not a yeah. lead indicator. And that would be a good time to buy in the gloom. Well, yeah, well, it, it, hey, it, anyone who's a long-term investor um, is, um, you know, when, when assets become discounted or when they drop, it's always better, it's always cheaper to, to buy at yes. that point of time than it was, um, you know, 12 months ago or six months ago. You know, for example, you know, like, like the analogy with, you know, with equity. You know, if you were, like if we look at our cousins across the ditch in Australia, if you were buying a basket of Australian stocks and you, would buy, and you were to buy them today, you're effectively buying them at prices that haven't been seen for five years. That's, that's a phenomenal statement to make, but that's just their market has become... Yeah, it has pulled back. It's great news now. We're just about out of time, Nick. So if we want any financial advice, where do we come? Well, fortunately, now I, uh, I, we don't just have to have a, a Zoom call. So we are at 204 Academy Road in Hastings, the Black Basalt Stone building with a carbon logo that you can't miss. Uh, or you could just um, have a, um, a virtual call with us. Or alternatively, just visit our website, www.stewartgroup.co.nz. Nick, as always, my pleasure. You look after yourself. Talk to the same time, same place next time. Thank you. Look forward to it. The information provided or any opinions expressed in this show are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from an authorised financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge by calling 0800 878 961. This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.